Hello, and thank you for listening to True Crime Cam. I'm actually going out of town this week to visit my sweet grandmother. So if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, I'm probably on a plane. I was gonna do the Las Cruces Bowl Massacre this week, but that has been pushed back to next week. And this week, we're just gonna do some Let's Not Meet stories. So let's get into it. Okay, this first story is titled, Someone broke into my house and tried to find me. A few years ago, I was renting a house in Northern California. The neighborhood was just outside the suburbs. It seemed like the perfect balance of having space and having nice neighbors close enough not to feel isolated. The area had no streetlights, so it was very dark at night, especially if there were clouds blocking the moonlight. It didn't bother me, though. It made my little house feel even more quaint on dark nights. I got home from work one day in midwinter. It was a cloudy night, so pulling up to my house, I saw only what my headlights and front porch light illuminated. When I got out of my car, I caught a whiff of cigarette smoke. That was odd, as I had never smelled that before around that house. I didn't see anyone nearby, so I ignored it and went inside. I had just got off a shift with a few hours of overtime so I felt pretty tired. Even though it wasn't even seven yet, I decided to take a shower and call it a night. I woke up sometime later, sure, that I had heard a noise inside my house. I wasn't worried right away, because my friend would sometimes stop by to use my shower after work on his way to his night classes. I even gave him a spare key so he could stop by even if I wasn't home. He would always text me to let me know beforehand, though, and I hadn't heard my phone go off. I reached over to my bedside table and picked up my cell phone to see if my friend had sent me a text. The bright light from my phone's screen and number pad blinded me. These were the days before phones had a light sensor that would dim the screen in the dark, and this particular phone was so bright I could use it as a flashlight. Through squinted eyes, I could make out that it was nine-something, but I couldn't tell if I had an unread text or not. I set my phone aside and called out my friend's name. There were a couple of seconds of silence before I heard loud footfalls as someone started running through the bottom floor of my house. I leapt out of the bed and ran to the closet. They were already upstairs by the time I had opened the door and stepped inside. That house had three rooms upstairs, two bedrooms on either side of the hallway, the one I was in, and a spare, and a bathroom at the end. The bedroom doors were both closed, but the bathroom door was cracked open. I heard whoever was in my house thunder down the hallway past my door and into the bathroom. Thank God he did. That gave me enough time to open the attic access in the ceiling of my closet and hoist myself up. I had just started to lift myself up when the person ran back out of the bathroom. My feet were barely inside of the attic when my bedroom door burst open. I heard footsteps run into my room and stop. When they didn't see me in that room, they ran back to the hallway and into the other room, which just had boxes stacked in a corner, some weights, and a table where I painted my miniature models. I guess they decided that if someone were hiding, it would be in the bedroom, because they charged back into my room and turned on the light. A moment later, the closet door was ripped open. I was crouched in my attic just a foot or so away from the access, so I could try to stop them if they started to climb up. From my vantage point, all I could see was from about their knee down. They were wearing dirty blue jeans with frayed cuffs and worn work boots. After a few seconds of looking in the closet, they stepped away, and I heard a loud crash come from my room. 
followed by a scream of frustration and anger. That scream was the most unnerving part of the incident for me. It reminded me far too much of my stepfather who would scream in a similar way when he lost his temper. He would eventually be put in a mental hospital for several mental disorders that resulted in erratic and violent tendencies. The man in my house ran back down the stairs. I heard crashes and clatters as things were thrown around and furniture was knocked over. I stayed crouched in the attic. I had left my cell phone when I ran for the closet, and I wasn't certain I could climb down without him hearing. After some time, the noises stopped. I started counting slowly. When I reached a thousand, I decided it was safe enough to climb down and call the police. The first thing I noticed when I exited the closet was the intruder had flipped my bed over. I assume in an attempt to find me. That was the loud noise I had heard after he stepped away from the closet. I couldn't find my cell phone. So I went to the landline by the bed and called the police. I waited in my room until I heard them call from downstairs. The first floor was a mess, but I had expected that. Chairs had been knocked over, the sofa had been flipped, all the books, pictures, and knickknacks I had on my shelves were strewn across the floor. The cupboards in the kitchen had been opened, and all the boxed and canned foods had been thrown to the ground. As far as I could tell, though, the only thing missing was a single knife out of the wooden block in my kitchen. The police checked the house from top to bottom. They found that the side door had been forced open by something like a crowbar. They also found a few cigarette butts along my fence, along with some foil and an empty pin tube, which the police said people often use to smoke meth, so they think he had been watching my house for a while. I realized that he must have been out there smoking a cigarette when I got home. They collected up the evidence and told me I should stay with family or friends that night and get the door fixed as soon as possible. I opted to just not sleep. I moved a shelf over to block the broken door and spent the next couple hours cleaning things up. I would often go to the window with a flashlight and shine it along the fence line, where the police found the cigarette butts and foil, but I didn't see anything. The next day, I called to have the door fixed and motion lights installed at the back and sides of my house. I ran a phone cable up into the attic and added a landline. I never wanted to be stuck up there without a phone again. Nothing else happened at that house, though. I lived there another three years without incident. One more precaution I took was practicing getting out of my bed, going to my closet, and climbing into the attic as quickly and quietly as possible. I even kept at it when I moved, except now I go to a crawl space at the back of the closet instead of the attic. I try not to think about what would have happened if I had been a bit slower getting to the attic or if he hadn't gone into the bathroom at the end of the hall first. Okay, screw it. For this next story, I'm not going to read the title because it's pretty to the point, like the last title, so let me just get into it. I was 12, and my older sister and I were home alone for the weekend. I was waiting for a friend to pick me up and getting restless. There was a knock on the door. Thinking it was her, I ran to answer it without checking through the peephole. A man was standing there with a clipboard and he said he needed to check our gas meter. I was entrenched in the disappointment of my friend still not having arrived, so just told him, yeah, sure, whatever you need to do. I didn't notice at the time, but he wasn't dressed as a city official. He had on a green and purple shirt with bold stripes, like the host of Blue's Clues. He came in and immediately went up the stairs to where our bedrooms were and walked into the open door of my room, the typical girly girl room with pink and glitter. 
Thank God, my sister came down the stairs at almost that exact moment. She said, oh, is that Daphne's dad? Why is he going upstairs? And I complained about how Daphne wasn't here and was going on about how unreliable she was when my sister cut me off. Quote, wait, wait, if Daphne isn't here, who is that? I said, he's here to read the gas meters. Her face turned white. She flung open the front door and dragged me out, hand clamped over my protesting mouth. She said, our gas meters are outside. Neither of us had a cell phone. It was the 60s. And obviously we weren't going back into the house to call authorities on the landline phone. Then my ever-resourceful sister had a stroke of genius. A man was walking right by our house and she motioned him over. She called loudly into the house. Oh, Dad, it's good you're home. A man from the city is here to read the gas meter upstairs. And just like she'd hoped, the man on the street said, What are you talking about? The man in the striped shirt bolted out of the house. The man on the street asked us repeatedly if we were okay, if we needed him to stay, and wait in the yard with us until our parents came home. He was very sweet. We were so startled that we barely thanked him before slamming and locking the doors and windows. As irate as my sister was that I let someone in the house, she begged me not to call the authorities, because my parents left her in charge, and she'd worried she'd be in trouble. I didn't want to catch any heat from carelessly allowing some guy in, so I was on the same page. Three weeks later, a girl in our community went missing. Same M.O. She was home alone, and authorities found the door open, and no signs of forced entry. My sister and I discussed our options, but deep down, knew we had no choice but to come clean. We told the police everything. I don't know if it ever helped, but they did tell us they had a reason to believe it was the same man. They also tracked down the man who helped us on the street. Turns out we already knew him. He worked in the butcher shop. We just didn't recognize him. He was lifelong friends with the family after that. Our parents were mortified. They weren't angry with us, just glad we were okay, though they did review all the rules of caution and didn't leave us home alone for a while. They found that girl and say she'd been held for a few days and then burned alive. They never caught the man, but fear not. He was in what appeared to be his early 30s in the 1960s, so in any case, he has to be dead by now. I just thank God every day for my sister's resourcefulness and quick action. False meter reader, let's not meet. So the top comment on this post has a lot of upvotes, so let's look at that. I had a similar thing happen at a friend's house during the summer, where a guy pulled into the driveway in a khaki-colored van, asked me about the electrical in the garage. He wore an olive drab shirt and khaki pants with aviators. I was much younger, about 10, 11, and less versed in the English language, so I thought nothing of it. He asked me if my parents were home, and I said no. So he walked back towards the house a couple feet until he grabbed me by the back of my shirt and started pulling me backwards by the neck. Immediate panic. I start kicking and screaming as loud as possible, trying to get away. I remember scraping my bare feet along the driveway, hoping to stop the assault. He started striking me after that. My friend must have heard this and woke her older brother up because her brother came out and tackled the guy and started pummeling him. My friend had a wrench and started hitting the guy. I didn't do anything as I was in shock. I was confused and trying to gather my thoughts. Long story short, the police arrived when my friend called them and I had to come into court to testify against him. 
This next story is from 10 years ago, and it's titled, My Neighbor Has Lost It. This is less of a creepy one-person encounter and more of a whole community creeped out by one man. The neighbor in question is somewhat famous for his lawn, an impossibly thick green landscape that he had tended by a company. I've vaguely been aware of him losing it on the landscapers, screaming at them outside. Enough I knew he had a temper. The first real red flag that he might be legit crazy came last summer. He asked a teenage boy in the neighborhood to check in on the house once a day and make sure all the doors and windows were secured and water their flowers. The day he left, though, he left a crazy list, saying the kid had to be there multiple times a day, turning off and on different sets of lights at specific times and leaving weird chores for him. Also, the kid was not allowed to walk on the lawn and had to remove his, quote, dirty shoes before walking on the concrete sidewalk. He was never to enter the house, but was to turn off and on the lights from the doorway by means of a stick with a loop on it. Also, he was not allowed to use the garden hose to water the lawn and had to instead use a teeny tiny watering can. The letter implied that my neighbor would have this kid under surveillance and would have pictures if he failed to comply. Basically, the kid's parents called him and said they weren't comfortable with the situation anymore, and while they would keep an eye on the house, the deal was off. They argued over the phone. When my neighbor got back from vacation, it was early morning, and he immediately went to the house, woke them, and tried to pick a fight with them. One of the other neighbors is a retired C, I guess that means retired cop, and came out to see what was going on and tried to settle the issue. Crazy Neighbor said that he would let it rest if he was allowed to bare-ass spank the kid. He flipped out when they told him, hell no. Sometime after this, another neighbor was at the grocery store when he was cornered by Crazy Neighbor. Crazy Neighbor apparently just talked at him in rapid fire for half an hour. Among other things, he started saying how wives shouldn't have friends and said that his wife's sister was so fat she broke the toilet seat last time she visited. After this, everyone started talking about how you don't see his wife anywhere. Occasionally, she will be out watering flowers, but while her husband is seen out, she isn't. Considering that she used to be a social butterfly, this is weird. During the winter, everyone found pamphlets on their mailbox from the landscaper he uses, along with a note saying it was mandatory to now use this landscaper in our area, and failure to comply will result in being sued. In parentheses, we are private, single-family homes, with no homeowners association, so this is patently untrue. During the winter, someone saw his wife, and her arm was in a sling, and she had a black eye. When they asked her about it, he wouldn't let her speak, and said she had slid on ice. Since then, there have been a few attempts made to talk to her alone, and all have failed. They've gone so far as to get their church involved and to call a welfare check by the cops when he was out of the house. But if she is being abused, she has been refusing help. Snow was bad this year, and he blew a fit about the snowplows piling snow on his property, so he scattered screws on the roadway outside before they came by one morning. Then someone in the neighborhood got a puppy. It's quiet and has a fenced-in backyard. Its owners wake up middle of the night to the doorbell ringing. When they come out, Crazy neighbor is standing on the road at the edge of the property. He tells them that the first time the dog gets out, 
they won't have a dog anymore, and pulls out a gun and waves it around, before pointing it towards the backyard and saying, bang. Obviously, they go back inside and call the cops. When confronted, Crazy Neighbor claims he was out for a walk, thought they were awake, and stopped by. He says he didn't get the gun out, but it had been on his belt, and that he didn't mean his statement as a threat. He got some sort of citation from the police. Come spring, he has taken to sitting outside and writing something every time someone walks or drives by. We don't know what. But I have taken to driving differently home to avoid going by him. Most recently, someone put a swing set in their backyard. They came back from work to find tire tracks through the backyard, and the swing set run over and crushed. No one saw anything, but his massive truck happens to have the same kind of tires as the tread marks left behind. The retired cop has taken to compiling statements from everyone and keeping records, because we think this is going to end badly. To anyone wondering, I have two more updates and other posts. Check my post history. He's since done some nighttime creepy crawling, threatened to shoot children, and got to do a little jail time. So unfortunately, this user has since deleted their account, so I have no way to click on their profile and look at their older posts. That really sucks, but that is definitely one crazy-ass neighbor. Okay, I'm not going to read the title for this one either because it is also straight to the point. And this was posted four years ago. This happened early this week and it still freaks me out. I work at a hotel in my town and was driving my husband's truck into work because he was taking mine to the shop to get serviced. He has a very large truck and I only drive it when I absolutely have to. When I pull into the side parking lot, I notice the entire lot is covered in snow and no one can see the lines for the spots. So I begin looking like a moron and try to park in what I hope is a spot, backing up and moving forward several times. When I finally park, I get out of the truck and grab my backpack when I hear someone yelling from the sidewalk from behind the parking lot. Quote, hey, you need to learn how to fucking park. I'm embarrassed, but just close the truck, lock it, and begin walking to the front of the building. Now, the hotel has a side entrance for employees, but it takes a code, and I have a shitty memory, so I just walk to the front and go through the main entrance. I hear the guy yelling again, quote, did you hear me, bitch? I walk faster and take a peek behind me. The guy is following me. I keep walking, but call back. Please leave me alone. I need to get to work. Before I can reach the corner of the building and make my way to the entrance, the guy grabs my arm and spins me around. I will never forget what this guy looked like for as long as I live. He wore dark clothes with a torn-up winter coat. His eyes were bloodshot and he smelled like a combination of cigarettes and whiskey. I guess he must have been drunk, but he didn't slur at all when speaking. Quote, you're coming with me. The guy began dragging me back to the truck, and I tried to pull my arm away from him. Let go of me. Quote, give me the keys, we're taking a drive. I begin to yell for help, and his grip on my arm gets tighter. I'm a 26-year-old woman, not skinny, but a lot smaller than this guy. He was dragging me easily, and the snow just made my feet slide along on the ground. Someone help, please. No one was near us, and I kept fighting to get away from this guy. I prayed that there would be guests that could possibly hear me, but it was our slow season, 
so most likely there was no one in the rooms on that side of the building. The guy turns back to glare at me. Quote, shut the fuck up and give me the keys. Now, I was carrying my backpack on one shoulder, as it was big and bulky from a uniform and shoes. I quickly slipped the strap down my arm, grabbed it, and swung it right into his face. The guy let go on me and I just ran for my life to the front doors. I heard the guy screaming, but ignored him. I was way too scared to look back at him. I ran inside and all the way to the employee locker rooms. When I finally calmed down enough, I went to the front desk to talk to security. Sadly, there were no cameras on that side of the building, so nothing was recorded. They called the cops and I made a report. The cops informed the general manager of the hotel that they needed to seriously consider security cameras on that side of the building, as drunks and druggies were known to be in this area. There was a bar just a couple streets down. They got the description of the guy and said they would keep an eye out for him. The manager apologized like crazy about the incident, but I told him it wasn't his fault. He's a really good guy. I did ask the security guard to follow me out so I can check on the truck. Thankfully, it was fine. The security guard promised to make more rounds outside, especially that early in the morning. If there is an update, I will post it here. Creepy kidnapper, let's not meet. Thank you for listening, and shout out to the new accomplices. Erica H., Ayla R. Okay, I actually googled how to pronounce this name, and someone with this name had a full YouTube video, so I'm gonna give it a shot. Agle. Yeah, I think that's right. As well as Brie, and howtopronounce.com says Amreve. My mind was thinking Amber Reeve, so hopefully one of the two is correct. Again, thank you all for listening, and don't forget to tune in next week. We're gonna be looking at the Las Cruces Bowl Massacre from 1990. That's all for now, and I hope you all have a good day, evening, or night. Goodbye.